Welcome to another inspirational teaching. Before I get into this message, I'm going to give you a few warnings about the message. Um, they tell me that when I speak, I talk really fast. Um, I don't know, the translators tell me that. Pay attention. <laughs> I don't know how to make myself talk slower. Someone asked me the other day, how come you hardly ever open your Bible when you speak? Because it takes up time, and I guess I'm in a hurry. <laughs> the verses are all right here. <laughs> I opened the Bible earlier. Um, <laughs> listen, I want to tell you beforehand, when I teach a lot of times, I teach out of the ESV Bible and out of the Message Bible. So if you're here tonight and you're following along in your Bible and you have a new King James Version or a King James Version, and you go, that doesn't match up what she's saying. Trust me, these translations are accurate. I wouldn't be using them if they're not. They're just translated a little bit differently. We do have them in the bookstore. I'll be very honest with you. The reason I use them is because I think they're easier to understand. And since I'm talking fast, I don't have to say all the these and the thous and the weird words. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, <laughs> let's get into the word. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about thinking the thoughts of God. What does that mean? Well, I taught the first me message to this series back in March, so I would encourage you to get that so that you can truly understand it. But since it's been a while, I'm going to take you back and kind of review a little bit about what we talked about. Talked about. The battles of the spiritual realm that are going on are most often fought in the minds of believers. You see, I talk to people all the time and at the root of the struggle of what they're going on, going through, the root of it is most often in their minds. How many of you here tonight would be honest and say, you know what, I struggle with my mind. I struggle with negative thoughts. I'll be honest and say I do. You see, the devil likes to attack us in our minds. It's so sad that so many people receive Jesus as their savior, but they never really walk in the true victory that is promised to them in the abundant life. And the reason they don't is not necessarily because of some constant attack from the devil. You see, a lot of times the devil doesn't even have to actually bring the attack. All he's got, you, got to do is get you to think the attack is coming. You see, if you begin to think the attack is coming, that fear will come into your life and it'll begin to take over. It'll begin to torment you and it'll cause you to get frozen. Amen. Many people struggle with being tormented in their lives. But see, tonight I'm here to tell you that Jesus did not give his life on the cross so that we could barely get by. He gave his life on the cross so that you can have life, you can live a confident life, and you can enjoy it. Amen? You see, he said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Amen? This is important to me. If you leave here tonight and this is all you get, then just get this. 
Listen, guys, Jesus didn't just die on the cross so that you could say that prayer and you could know that at the end, hopefully, if you've been good, God would let you into heaven. He died on the cross so that you could have that eternal life, but that until you get to that moment of eternal life, you could walk in an abundant life. And an abundant life is a good life, amen? It's a victorious life, amen? It's not a life where we're tormented. It's not a life where we sit. It's not a life where we're full of fear. It's a life of victory, amen? It's a life of confidence, amen? You see, Jesus came so that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. The problem here is that there's a devil and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. You see, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a controller. He's a manipulator. He's an accuser. He wants to take from you. He wants to leave you in a miserable life. How does this, did the devil do this? He does this by starting with the thoughts in our minds. If you're here and you want to live a victorious life, if you want to have a Christian life, but a Christian life that is a biblical, victorious life, then you have got to replace the thoughts in your mind that are not of God. You've got to replace them with the thoughts of God. This is not a one-time process. This is not something that happens when you accept Jesus into your life. It is something that is ongoing. The Bible, if you study it out, tells us that we must continually renew our mind. We must continually renew our mind. Why is this so important? Well, it sums it up right here in this verse, Proverbs 23, 7. It says, as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. So see, whatever thoughts are in my mind, then that determines who I am. Why? Because when thoughts take root in our minds, they get into our heart. And the Bible says that out of our heart comes the boundaries of our life. It determines the direction of our life. So see, your thoughts are that important. Your thoughts are powerful. They determine who you become. What are the thoughts of God? A lot of people think they can't control their minds. But you see, God created you to think the thoughts of God. Philippians 4, 8, if you're taking notes, you've got to have this verse. This is truly the benchmark for the thoughts of God. It says, finally, brothers, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So see, the thoughts of God are pure, they're lovely, they're just, they're true, they're honorable, they're commendable, they're excellent, and they're worthy of praise. Anything that does not come under one of those categories is not a thought of God. The thoughts of God are always good thoughts. They're always pleasing thoughts. They're always positive. They're not negative. The thoughts of God always move you forward. They never take you backwards. They never hold you in place. They never paralyze you. The thoughts of God are full of momentum. Amen. 
tonight you sit here and you may be thinking, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but it seems a little bit hard and I don't know how I'm going to get control over my mind. It's a nice idea and I've heard this in church before, but I don't know how I'm going to get control of my mind. For some reason, my mind just doesn't seem to work like that. Well, you see, 2 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. You see, you were created in his image. You were created with his mind. Now, don't tell me that you sit here tonight thinking that Jesus is up sitting at the right hand of our heavenly father and he's thinking to himself oh no I might be broke oh no maybe what I did on the cross didn't work oh no maybe I'm actually sick oh no maybe I actually didn't defeat the devil oh no maybe I'm not going to be able to come back we don't think that do we we don't it's easy for us to accept that Jesus in all of his glory and majesty sits next to his heavenly father thinking good things, thinking positive things, confident in who he is, knowing that he's all powerful, knowing that he's all knowledgeable, knowing that he's all able, amen? See, you've got to just start even with that most basic switch. You have got to understand tonight that your mind is the same as his mind. You have the mind of Christ. Just think about that. I have the mind of Christ. I was created in his image. I have the mind of Christ. Well, let me tell you something. When I sit here tonight and I think I have the mind of Christ, then I get real bold and real confident. And I understand that that means that this morning when I woke up and I felt a weird pain and I I got nervous and thought maybe I needed to go to the doctor and whatever. That was a thought from the devil. I take that thought out. I replace it. I get the God thought that says my body is healed by the stripes of Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I can think those things and I can be good at it and I can be successful at it because tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you and I alike all have the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. You see, I'm going to walk you through how to do this. You have to replace the negative thoughts in your mind. You've got to take them captive. You've got to take them out. You've got to make an exchange for the good thought, and then you've got to believe the good thought. The Bible tells us to take every thought captive and then to make the new thought obey the word of God. Let me explain to you how you do this. When I go to Dillard's and I buy something and I don't like it, I go back the next day and I exchange it for the new item for the one I like. Hey, I'm a practical girl, okay? This is how I teach the word. That's exactly how it works in your mind. So if you're, we're struggling today, wondering how you're going to pay your rent, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm broke, I don't have enough money, you take that 
thought out of your mind. You take it captive like 2 Corinthians says. You get rid of it. You replace it with what the word says. You make that thought come in line in obedience to the word that says my God will supply all of my needs. I don't know where that money's coming from. And that's the thought I'm going to keep. Amen. That's how you do it. You got to make an exchange. Isaiah 26, 3 says that he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because you trust him. You see, when you think according to what the word says, then you will live in a place of peace because you will walk in trust. Amen. You cannot be passive about your thoughts. You must be aggressive. A thought is just a thought. It's nothing more. But you must be aggressive. Tonight I'm going to take you through some of the most common thoughts that I think people struggle with. Now listen to me. I did a bunch of them on that other CD. So if you want to get those, then I'd encourage you to go out there and get them. I'm going to start with this one. I am so sad. I'm so depressed. I'm so sad. I'm so depressed. So many people struggle with depression. It's an enormous problem in our society. The truth is that the Lord created you to be happy. He created you to be joyful. I know that depression can be crippling. Along with depression, a lot of times comes worry. But I believe that God called us to all live a life of joy. How do we do that? We do that by focusing on what the word says. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but, says that, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if you're here tonight and you've been struggling with depression, if you've been struggling with worry, if you've been struggling with anxiety, then you just lift your hands up to Jesus tonight and you say, dear Jesus, I cast my cares on you because that's what the word says. I cast my cares on you and tonight I choose to have my strength renewed in you. I choose to believe that because I'm in the house of God tonight that you will begin to renew your strength. Where do you find the words that the, and the thoughts that you need in order to not struggle with depression? You find them in the word of God. You get in church where God's heart is. You get renewed, amen? John 15 says when we abide in him, we will experience God's will for our lives. You have so much to be joyful about tonight. Abide in that rest. Abide in that rest. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Tonight, you have a promise that you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Well, I believe that if I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, then I deserve a joyful life. Amen. I'm a joint heir. I'm free of depression. Galatians 3, 29 says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Man, that gives me something to celebrate 
worried about. I can shift my eyes away from depression because I'm an heir according to the promise. Amen. First John 5 verses 4 and 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Tonight, you are redeemed. You are delivered. You are set apart. You are sanctified. You can overcome. You can be free from depression. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Second Timothy 1, 7 says, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Amen. So the next time that stupid devil tells you, you're so sad, you're so depressed, you just begin to thank the Lord for all that he's done in your life. You begin to say what he says about you. You look at him and you tell him, you know what? I will not accept these thoughts. I will not believe that I am sad. I will not believe that I am depressed. You take those thoughts captive. You make an exchange. You tell that devil to shut up and you declare today and every day I choose to be joyful. Today and every day I choose to be thankful. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I rejoice today in who I am. I choose to think on good things. I choose to rejoice because I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a child of the King. Amen. I've got nothing to worry about. I don't need to fret. I don't need to be sad because the Bible tells me that I'm an overcomer. In fact, today I cast my cares on him because he will sustain me in Jesus' name. Amen. The second thought that I know so many people struggle with is this one. I may not live long. So many people live in fear of the future. These thoughts of fear often become the reality of their lives if they don't get them under, the, under control. Maybe you're afraid of what lies ahead. Maybe you've even been afraid that you might die. Maybe you live in fear that you might get sick. Maybe you're afraid to go to the doctor because of what he might tell you. You see, the devil likes to tell us things like our children are going to be alone one day or we're not going to watch them grow up or my spouse might die young or he may not come home or I'm afraid for you to go get on that airplane because I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to be okay. You see, the devil does this because like I said earlier, he doesn't actually have to issue the attack. All he has to do is get you so afraid that you constantly live in fear and you're paralyzed in life. He wants your mind to be weak so that he can sneak an attack in. But tonight, you can rest in this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. 
Deuteronomy 5.33 says, you shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Psalm 91.16 says, with long life, I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. I had to pray about this next one. I wasn't sure that I wanted to confess it, but here it goes. Proverbs 16.31 says, gray hair is a crown of glory. That's all good. Gray hair is awesome. And so is my hairdresser. Amen. John 16, says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. You see, in this world, there will, you will have tri- tribulation, but take heart tonight because I have overcome the world. You see, you are not subject to the world, so it doesn't matter. You shouldn't walk in fear. You shouldn't be afraid of the future. You don't have to watch the news and think, oh my God, what if we go to war? Oh my God, what if my son did? or oh my gosh, my teenager got a license and what if something happens? Oh, heck no. You watch the news in confidence because you know what? Your angels protect you in Jesus' name. You got a promise in the Bible that says you will have long, long life. Amen? When your kids go to school this year, you don't worry about if they're gonna sleep with somebody or they're gonna get screwed up or someone's gonna pull a gun out or whatever because every morning you look at that child and you say, I believe that the angels go before you. They prepare the way for you. You walk in God's divine favor. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, amen? Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be, or be of dread, for it is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. It is the Lord, your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Listen, I am teaching to you out of my own life. Paul says to do it. I'm gonna be honest with you. There's not a day that goes by that the devil tries to tell me that my life is gonna be cut short by cancer like my mom, but you know what? I take that thought, I take it captive, I rebuke it, and I say, I have a promise in the Word of God that says, I will live a long life. I will live a long life. I get up. I'm strong. I'm courageous. I do not fear, for the Lord my God is going with me. Amen. So the next time you think, what if I don't live long? What if I die? What if I get sick? What if something happens to my loved ones? You take those thoughts captive. You make an exchange in your mind and you choose and you determine to think the thoughts of God. So here we go. We tell the stupid devil, I'm not afraid of the future because I do not have a spirit of fear. I will live long because my heavenly father has promised me a long life and a satisfied life. I plan to have time. Tons of gray hair because I have overcome the world.
world. I will celebrate my children and my children's children for many years to come. I am strong. I am courageous. I will not back down. Oh no, because God, my God, who I am in and whom is in me is standing ahead of me. He's striding ahead of me and he will not let me down. Amen. Amen. I have no purpose. Thought number three. The devil uses this lie to shift our focus away from accomplishment to self-pity. He wants you to think that, that you're not worthy, that you're not worth anything, that you have no purpose. He likes to get us to start comparing ourselves instead of taking ownership of who we are. The truth is tonight that God made you for a specific purpose. He has a plan for each and every one of us. There's not one person here who is not called by God to do something for the advancement of his kingdom. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. Proverbs 16, nine says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. Ephesians 1.11 says, in him we have obtained an, inher an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. Isaiah 43, seven says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. Job 14, five says, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. You see, God predetermined your steps. He pre-ordered your days. He called you. He chose you. He appointed you. He created you for his glory, for a purpose. The devil wants you to think that you will have no legacy. The devil wants you to think that your legacy is not important. But we all have a legacy that we leave. And it's us to, up to us to determine how great it's going to be. And see these negative thoughts that the devil likes to put in our mind gets us off track so that we can't pursue our legacy. Your legacy may be a public one, it may be seen by many, or it may be unseen. Maybe God has called you to just get the people at your office to come to Christ. It doesn't matter if it's big or small, seen or unseen. All that matters is that you take ownership of your purpose because God called you for it. He planned you for it. He designed you for it. He created you for it. He predestined you for it. And one day you're going to stand before him. And if you've walked in that and not allowed the negative thoughts of the devil to get you, if you've thought the thoughts of God, if you've been confident, if you pursued your purpose, then God will look at you and he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Each one of us was created for God's glory. He designed us to make a difference. So the next time the devil tells you that your life is pointless, the next time he lies to you and he tells you you have no purpose, 
You just turn to him, you tell him to shut up, you tell him that's not true, you take those thoughts captive, you make an exchange, and you start thinking the thoughts of God. Here we go. I'm made in the image of God. I'm created for such a time as this. I'm chosen by God. I'm appointed by him to bear fruit and a lot of it. God has plans for me. Those plans are good. He has established my ways. My days are ordered by him. I am called by name. I'm created for his glory and I will live a life of purpose. I will live a life of intention. I will leave a legacy, one that causes my heavenly father to greet me with, well done thou good and faithful servants. Amen. The next one, I don't deserve better. I don't deserve better. This is just a lie from the pit of hell. John 10, 10 says that I have come that you might have life, which means the God kind of life and have it more abundantly. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you can, that you can only have that life if you deserve it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you can only have that life if you earn it. The only thing you can find in the Bible is that it says that you have it. The abundant life is yours. It cannot be earned. There is nothing you can or cannot do to get it. It is a free gift. It is fully paid for. It is yours tonight 100%. Not partially, but totally. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you see, if you sit here tonight and every day the devil beats you up because one time you slept with the wrong guy or one time you had an abortion or one time you screwed around with someone or one time you jacked up and broke the law, listen to me. God doesn't care. He said there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You deserve the best of me. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It doesn't say that it was done by your own doing. It says by grace. John 1, 16 says, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Philippians 4, 19 says, my God shall supply all of my needs. It doesn't say he'll supply them if you do X, Y, or Z. It just says that you have a promise, which is yes and amen always. A promise from your heavenly father that says, my God shall supply all of your needs. It doesn't say only if you do. It doesn't say only if you are. It doesn't say only your physical or your material needs. No, it says all your needs all the time. God created you. He predestined you for abundance, not to be without. He created you. He predestined you for greatness, not punishment, not suffering, not sitting back. He created you to be complete. Third John 1, 2 says, I pray that all may go well with you. All may go well with you. 
James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. You see, God is not in the business of doing bad gifts. He's only in the business of good gifts. You deserve the best life, the abundant life. You, have, you deserve joy. You deserve peace. You deserve happiness, prosperity, health. You deserve favor, grace, victory. You deserve to have a good family. You deserve to be loved. What you don't deserve is suffering, misery, abuse, closed doors, devastation, lack, sickness. God is not in the business of any of these things. Amen. Amen. You see, Jesus made an exchange on the cross for you to have these things. Accept that exchange once and for all. So the next time you start thinking, I don't deserve this, you take that thought captive, you tell the devil to shut up, and you make an exchange. Here we go. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what I've done or what I haven't done. God doesn't care who I am or what I'm not. He doesn't care about my works. He doesn't doesn't care about my past. All he wants is for me to have a good life. His gifts are always good gifts. He's not in the business of bad gifts. He has plans to prosper me and to make all go well with me. I am a victor. I am an overcomer. I deserve a great life full of great Things my God shall supply all of my needs in total abundance because his love for me is not cautious. It is extravagant in Jesus' name. Will you stay for one more? This is the last one. I can't change this. I can't change this. This is huge. People really get convinced by the devil that they're stuck. They get convinced that there is no hope. The devil tries to make us think that things are um, impossible. He likes to tell us that there's no way out. You see, this is just simply not true. The circumstances in your life are of the world. And the Bible says that all things of the world are temporal or temporary. Temporal means subject to change. First Corinthians 7.31 says, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealing with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. What he's talking about is the circumstances in your life. They are constantly subject to passing away. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or changing, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, as a child of God, you have access to a world that goes beyond the temporary circumstances that surround you. You have access to a world that is eternal. I challenge you tonight to shift your eyes, to look to the eternal, to think about the eternal, 
Look not at the physical circumstances that are in front of you, but instead look at the promises in God's word. Look at them. Look at the promises in God's word. Begin to think on the eternal promises of God's word. You see, the devil is trying to convince us through our minds that things can't change. So what does the word say? I love this. I, my mom used to sing me a song that went to this verse. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Truly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that it can come to pass, it will be done for him. You see, are you a whosoever tonight? I'm a whosoever. Every single person is a, in this room is a whosoever. So let's get this real clear in our minds. You see, the devil's trying to tell us that something can't change. But in Mark eleven twenty three, it says that whosoever speaks to the mountain. The mountain represents whatever it is in your life that won't change. Whosoever speaks to the mountain and commands it, be taken up, be thrown into the sea. It will be done. It will be done. It will be done. Be done. I'm telling you, when I was doing this message this week, I just got all kind of con confidence built up inside of me. Because you see, there are things that go on in my life that I look at that maybe I've gotten numb to, that maybe I've accepted, that maybe I've just put aside, that maybe I shifted my focus away from, but oh no, not anymore, you see, because I'm a whosoever. And I'm looking at those things every day, and every time I think about them, instead of taking them on, instead of accepting them, I'm speaking to them. I'm calling them out. I'm speaking to those mountains and I'm saying, you know what? My God who gave me a promise, that promise is yes and amen. So tonight that mountain be cast into the sea. It's gone. Amen. You've got to speak to the mountains in your life. You've got to call them out. In Matthew 8, Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea. He calmed them and they obeyed and things changed. In Genesis, God spoke and the earth, the sun, the moon, day and night, and mankind were formed. You see, things changed. In John 11, Jesus called Lazarus forth. He raised him from the dead. Things changed. I don't know what the circumstances of your life are tonight, but I do know this. Luke 1.37 says that nothing is impossible with God. His word will never, ever, never, ever fail. First John 5.4 says everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. We already know the world is temporal. We are not. We walk and we live in an eternal realm. 1 John 4, 4 says, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. So what does that mean? 
It means that whatever circumstances in your life that you have accepted, whatever it is that you have taken on, whatever it is that the devil puts these thoughts in your mind and constantly tells you, that can't change, that can't change. There's nothing you can do about it. Just move on to the next thing. Just accept that your kid's not gonna be that smart. Just accept that you're never gonna be wealthy. Just accept that you're always gonna struggle. Just accept that you're never gonna be the manager. Just accept that you're gonna have have a hard time physically. Just accept that, you know, you have back pain, but be thankful that you're not in a wheelchair. Just accept, oh heck no guys, that's not what the word said. The word said that you can speak to the mountain, that it will move. The word says that nothing is impossible, amen. So the next time, The devil fills your mind with thoughts that say, I can't change this. I'm stuck. You take those thoughts captive. You make an exchange in your mind. You replace those thoughts with the thoughts of God and you tell the devil, devil, I choose to think and believe the thoughts of God. I don't live subject to the world. These circumstances around me are temporary. I walk in the eternal, which is a life full of abundance, not pain, not lack. So tonight I speak to the mountains in my life. I tell them to move. I speak to the wind and to the sea and I call them to be calm for nothing, 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 nothing is impossible in my life because of my God. His word will not fail me. His promises are yes and amen. And they are always yes and amen. I am an overcomer. My life is moving and changing. It is coming in line with the word of God because greater is he that lives in me than anything that is in this world. Amen. Amen. Did you learn some things tonight? Would you all stand with me? Why did I walk you through these confessions? Because I'm teaching you exactly how to replace those thoughts of God. You see, this is an ongoing thing. The next time you think these, you get this CD out and you just put it on pause and you just start repeating. You just start repeating. You do exactly what I did. You declare it, you declare it. Every single time the thought comes, you take it, you exchange it, you fill it with what the word says, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you, Father, that every person that is here tonight leaves here not the same. I thank you that they leave here confident, encouraged, built up, understanding that their minds are not subject to what the devil is trying to fill them with, that they are overcomers, that they are made in his image, that they have the mind of Christ, and that because of that, they can live victoriously with a sound mind, free from fear in Jesus' name. If you believe that tonight, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you this weekend. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.